Before we begin our Torah study, let's join together in prayer. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. We are reading this week the, the Torah's account of the 12 spies who were sent into the land promised to the children of Israel. And as you know from, this, from your readings of scripture, 10 of the spies came back with a bad report, two came back with a good report. Only Joshua and Caleb, those two, brought the good report. And because of the bad report about the circumstances, the people of Israel were disheartened and they refused to, to move forward. Why don't you open up in your Bibles to Numbers chapters 13 and 14 so we can, we can look at some of the details. It wasn't just the report, it was the circumstances, if you think about it. Some of the details are described in chapter 13. Some of the details about what they reported in verse 27. They said this, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. They brought back a cluster of grapes that required two men carrying it on a pole. You look at that fruit and you say, wow, that's incredible. This is its fruit. Everyone's going, ooh, wow. And then they say, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified, very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. These giants. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. And you see, it tells us that when the people heard about those who were dwelling there, these strange strange people, the descendants of Anak, these very great people, their, their hearts melted. They became filled with fear. They were filled with despair. They stopped thinking about the assignment that God gave them, and they started thinking about their own strength and their own power. And they were comparing that strength and that power to the power of those who lived in the land. And it caused them to be disturbed. Now when you think about this in historical terms, you can say, well, I can understand this a little bit. I want you to move this from just ancient history into modern history to your own history. And ask yourself this question. Have you ever been in a situation that was bigger than you were? Have you ever been afraid of something that you were facing? Anyone here? Everyone here? Faces something at some time in your life that could take your breath away. When you measure your strength and your power against the actual circumstances, it's easy to melt in fear. That's what happened. Verse 30, Caleb quieted the people before Moses. He said, let's go up at once. Let's take possession because we are able to overcome it. 
That was his analysis. We're able to overcome it. We can do it. Have you ever tried to cheer on someone who's filled with fear? Have you ever tried to encourage someone who was so discouraged that no matter what you gave them, it didn't make any difference? Have you had that experience? Have you ever been in that condition where no matter what someone says, it's not enough? Well, Caleb had this experience. He's trying to encourage everybody. He says, we can do it. We can do it. You can do it. I can do it. We can all do it. Here's the problem. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it because as long as they were counting on their own strength and their own assessment of themselves, they were looking in the wrong direction. The circumstances were such that God wanted them to see that it was greater than they were. And it was okay that they be afraid of the reality. You see, if the Lord didn't want them to see the reality, he wouldn't have said to Moses, send spies out there to get the word. He would have said, go in, but keep your eyes closed. Because I don't want you to see what you're facing. It turns out that God will sometimes reveal to us details that will cause our hearts to melt. Now, what are we supposed to do in such times? We respond with the reality, and then we are to bring that response back to God as people of faith. And we come back to him and we say, Lord, I'm not able to do it, but you are able to do it. And we say to him, I don't have the strength and I don't have the power, but you have the power and you have the strength and you are mighty. Now, the problem for Israel at this point is a problem all of us face. And that is we analyze situations according to our own strength and power. And then we stop there. And we say, based on that analysis, can I do it or not do it? That's where the trouble comes from. You see, God will put us in situations where the only way through them is to put our trust in him. The ancient Hebrew idea of being righteous, of being tzaddikim, the righteous ones, is based on this, of being in a trial, being in a difficult situation where the only way through it is by trusting in God and then trusting in him and making your way through it. The just, those who are justified, will live by by faith, by being faithful to God, by trusting God. Trusting God on God's terms. Trusting God according to what he says, not just according to the circumstances. If you judge only by circumstances, and then you make your decision, oh, this is going to work, or no, it's not going to work, you know what? You're trusting in two things. Your power and the circumstances relative to your power. But God is wanting a people who will trust in him. Now, you and I want miracles, don't we? 
but you and I don't want to need miracles. We don't want to be in situations where the only way through is a miracle. And yet, miracles come to those who put their trust in him. Now, the children of Israel, as you read through chapters 13 and 14 and beyond, they're they're just so discouraged. Verse 31, chapter 13, the men who had gone up with Kalev said, we are not able to go up against the people because they're stronger than we. Can you relate to that? Facing a situation where you understand it's bigger than you are? And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they'd spied out. And they said, the land through which we've gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Now picture this. The children of Israel are making an assessment that they're going into a difficult situation, and it's impossible because they know that they are just normal people. And yet they're going against a giant An extraordinary people. Verse 14, all the congregation lifted up their voices and they cried and they wept all night. So here you see the battle of fear versus faith. The battle of trusting God versus despair. And they began to complain. They said, if we'd only died in the land of Egypt, if only we died in this wilderness... People are not in a good condition when they're thinking that the best thing for their future is to die. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? And so they said to one another, let's select a leader and return to Egypt. You see, instead of going forward, they wanted to go back. One of the ways that you can measure the condition of your own heart is is when you lose that kadima, that forward motion and direction, and you begin to say to yourself, if only I could go back to where I was before. When you want to go back into slavery, when that's your preferred option, you know you're in trouble. When you want to go back to a land where others are beating you and killing your children, you know that's a terrible condition that you're in to have such a desire. The ten spies and all these people who listened to them were united in one thing. They saw that their strength was limited, and because of that, they couldn't be successful. Now, as you read on in in this account... You see, things just go from bad to worse. The congregation decides the best thing to do with Moses, with Aaron. Stone him. That's a terrible condition to be in if if you're Moses or Aaron. Not very popular. But the Lord understands that the people themselves are not putting their trust in him. They're putting their trust in themselves. And this creates a dilemma And the Lord is even considering and verbalizes to Moses, let me just destroy them. And and Moses 
stands in the gap as an intercessor. Such a situation reveals what's in the heart of Moses. And you know, Moses is actually now feeling as God did for the children of Israel because it was God who wanted to save the children of Israel. And now Moses wants to save the children of Israel. And so Moses intercedes and things become very difficult. But when when Moses finally gets the people's attention and when a terrible plague has ensued, the people begin to mourn. We see this in chapter 14, verse 39. It says, Moses told these words to the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. They rose up in the morning. They went up to the top of the mountains and said, Here we are. We'll go up to the place which the Lord has promised, for we've sinned. And Moses said, Now why do you transgress the command of the Lord? For this will not succeed. Do not go up, lest you be defeated by your enemies, for the Lord is not with you. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and you will fall by the sword because you have turned away from the Lord. The Lord will not be with you. So now we see the other side, which is now the children of Israel think they can go up, but here's the problem. They still want to go up in their own power. And that doesn't mean, that means nothing has changed. Before they thought they couldn't go up in their own power. Now they think they can go up in their own power. It's the same problem that's unresolved. And you know what? You and I can be in that condition as well. So our condition of confidence or our condition of fear does not reveal fully whether we are trusting in God. There are times when our first response is fear, and then God begins to still our hearts, and he says, don't be afraid, after we've already been afraid. It's a way of saying, stop being afraid, because I am with you. But when we get into this place where we say, you know what, I can do it, I can do it, it doesn't necessarily make things better. What is the key? The key, I believe, is this. When God gives an assignment, we have to trust in him through the assignment. Regardless of our strength, regardless of the difficulty, regardless of the obstacles that we face, we need to keep trusting in him. Now let's compare this (coughs) to a situation in Acts chapter 1. And I I want to use this as a reference point because it's a similar situation. But also because Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2 are describing the, the time right around Shavuot when the Holy Spirit was to be poured out on the disciples of Yeshua in Jerusalem and all, all those who would become disciples. But let's look at the circumstance of it not of the outpouring itself, but of the assignment. Luke is, is writing this, Acts chapter 1, and he says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Yeshua began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. After his suffering, 
He presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. So after he was crucified, after he suffered on the cross and was buried, he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and he spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. Because John made Tevilah, he baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized or immersed with the Holy Spirit. They gathered around him, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their eyes and the cloud hid him from their sight. Now let's look at the situation. Yeshua is giving them an assignment. The assignment is to go into the whole world and make disciples. He's already given that. And now he's saying... Don't even try, don't even start until. Until what? Until you receive the Holy Spirit. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power. That's what he says. Verse 8. You will receive power when. Say that one word with me. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know what this means? The assignment to be witnesses requires the Holy Spirit. A messianic movement that's not dependent on the Holy Spirit is not going to work. Cannot work. According to our origins and according to the pattern that we see here. The only way we can be successful is if we receive the Holy Spirit. But what if you don't believe in the Holy Spirit? Well, then you have a problem. Why? Because then you don't have access to what Yeshua says is necessary in order to do what he's called you to do. So without the Holy Spirit, you can try to be witnesses. What will be your success? Not enough. But you might say to yourself, well, I can do it anyway. Right? I can. I know the Bible. I've got the Bible. Yeshua's disciples had the Bible. He still said to them, wait until. Wait until. Wait until. You see... All that God wants to do with us and through us cannot be accomplished in our own power and in our own strength. So the key, the key for us is to connect with God in such a way that his spirit fills us up. Now you might say to yourself and and even to the Lord, well, I got filled up with the Holy Spirit 25 years ago when I first believed. Well, good, good. 
Good. I filled my gas tank 25 years ago when I had a car. Be continually filled and be refilled. Now, I'm, I'm sharing this with you because when I think about the spies and I think about Israel, I think in, in one way, I think seriously about it, the importance that Israel is to God, that the land of Israel has for God and has for us. I take that very seriously. I think about the effect that, that our faithlessness can have on subsequent generations. I take that seriously as well. I think about how difficult life can be and, and how overwhelming it can be at times, and, and I take that seriously too. But I don't stop there because there's something else that I take even more seriously. God gives us tasks. He gives us assignments. He gives us responsibilities that are bigger than we are, that require his power, (coughs) that require his strength, and you cannot succeed without him, without his power. Now you might say, well, I've already got enough power. I would encourage you not to trust in your power, but to trust in his power. Keep being filled. Keep seeking out the Holy Spirit. Keep looking to him. The disciples of Yeshua took this seriously. They stayed together. They prayed together. They, they sought the Lord together. They, they learned how to keep in unity together, not through discontent. It's so much easier, believe me, to be unified in discontent than it is to be unified in faith. Because the most carnal of things can unite people. But it's not carnality that really will bring us success in life, nor will it bring us contentment in life. Instead, when we make effort to be united with God by the Spirit and to be united with one another in a spiritual way, that will produce a greater contentment. When we learn to serve together, when we learn to take our place in the congregation and the community and to really be counted on, to be dependable in, in the community of faith, in the house of God, to be part of the flock and, and part of the, the community together, that's when we can really begin to bear fruit. The Lord is not just looking for individuals who trust him. He's looking for people who trust him together. He's looking for communities. He's looking for the body. He's not just looking for parts. He's not just looking for eyeballs, if you can take the spiritual metaphor. He's not just looking for fingers and for noses and for ears. He's looking for a body that he can inhabit where he can be the head over it and exercise authority. Now, I believe it's interesting. It's interesting that every year after Shavuot, a few weeks after Shavuot, Messianic Jewish congregations will be reading about the spies. Every year. And I think it's a wake-up call for us to always be alert And to not just be looking back to ancient history, but looking forward to learn from that history that God is wanting to use us in powerful ways. 
and not to make Shavuot a small thing and not to make it simply a celebration of a moment, but to make it part of our lifestyle, part of our way of living where we keep looking out for the Lord, we keep looking out for what he wants to do, and we keep looking for the Holy Spirit. We seek the Lord, and we trust God to fill us with the Holy Spirit. When we face conditions that are beyond us, or when our loved ones do, or when others around us do, our first response may be whatever it is, but you know what our second response needs to be? Pressing into God in faith And in trust. Anyone here facing difficult situations? Or you guys just got it easy? Okay. I'm with all of you who are facing difficult situations. I want to stand with you. I'm already standing. Why don't you stand up with me? Those of you who have it easy, stay seated. It's fine. (laughs) Those of you who can relate to this and say, you know what? I'm, I'm I'm, I'm so far in over my head. I can't make it without him. Lord, we're standing before you because we need you and we want to be people of faith. We bring our hearts to you and we say, God, fill our hearts with what's in your heart. Pour out your spirit upon us. Strengthen us. Renew us. Correct us, Lord, if you must. And show us where we're we're trusting in ourselves. Either we think we can do it or we can't do it, but our eyes are on ourselves and this is our problem. And bring us out of that condition, Lord. We want our eyes focused on you. We want to fix our eyes on Yeshua, the author of our faith, the finisher of our faith, the one who ran the race to completion and teaches us by his great example and by the life he gives us to do the same. Help us, Lord. Lord, I pray for those who have become discouraged because they've been measuring their strength against the adversary their strength against the obstacles and the challenges and they found themselves wanting and I pray that they would stop making that measurement and they would turn their eyes to you and say oh God of my salvation oh God of my hope pour yourself into me fill me up Lord give to me your Holy Spirit fill me with your spirit that he would have the last word in my heart That he would speak decisively to me. Thank you, Lord, that you promise your spirit to all flesh and blood, young and old, to everyone who puts their trust in you. Thank you, Lord, that you make no distinction between Jew and Gentile, male and female, young and old in this regard. Thank you for your spirit, who's poured out freely that we might live for you fully. And thank you, Lord, for the promise, the promise of rest that comes to us when we put our trust in you and we walk in faithfulness and in obedience to you. Lord, I pray for those who have gotten discouraged because they've been using their own strength. And I pray that you would renew their hearts in ways that our encouragement can't do for them. Lord, I thank you that you are so good to us 
You refresh us. You renew us. You've made us new creations and you continue to pour life into us. We bless you for this in the name of Yeshua. And Lord, we remember your words. It's not by strength. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's close with Aaron's blessing. Would you move around so you're not all by yourself? I'm feeling kind of lonely. I'm all by myself. Oh. All right. <laughs> I feel better. Yivarechacha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Yera Adonai panavelecha v'yichunecha. Yisa Adonai panavelecha v'yasem lecha. Shalom. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Thank you. You're welcome.